Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All Stake No Sizzle. No BS look at life, sports, and entertainment. I am your host, Devin McKenzie, and this is episode six. On this episode, we are going to be jumping into more of the life side of things. We're going to be talking about different racial issues that are going on in our country today. And to help me out with that, I have a very special guest, a young lady I went to high school with. Very smart, very intelligent young lady by the name of Tony Dixon. Me and her had a nice phone conversation where we addressed quite a few topics. So much so that I had to break this episode up into two parts. So you're going to be listening to part one now and later on this week I'm going to drop part two. So look forward to that. This episode is going to be the first in a series of shows where we're going to be talking about race issues going on in our country, I've already recorded a few episodes so far dealing with this topic. I recorded with past guests, uh, Mr. Bryantville, a.k.a. Bings. Uh, Bryant lives in Charlotte, so me and him talked about the various uh, problems going on down there in, in the city of Charlotte. I also recorded with my niece, uh, Takaya McKenzie, who is the host of her own podcast, Takaya Talks, which I've been a guest on a number of times, including this week's episode. So make sure you go over to her show, Takaya Talks, and make sure you listen to the newest episode. Uh, me and Takaya actually jump into a few of the issues that are going on racially in our country. We talked about a few different topics, so make sure you listen to her show. And speaking of her show... Kenya asked me and the host of other podcasts a question, and that question is, does life get better in your 30s compared to your 20s? I need a moment to think about that, so while you guys are listening to me and Tony's conversation, I'll get back to that at the end of the show, so... I'm not, I'm not avoiding the question, Kenya. I will definitely answer it, but I'm going to answer it at the end of the show. So make sure you guys go over to Kenya's show, listen to her, like, subscribe, comment. Please comment, because we've been noticing that no one really comments on our show. So And do the same for my show, too. You know, Like, subscribe, share, follow, comment. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DevinThe63. That's D-E-V-I-N-T-H-E-6-3. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure you check out the All Stake No Sizzle Facebook page. Um, you can shoot me an email at asnspodcast at gmail.com. So send your questions, uh, comments, and answer this question yourself. For those of you that are in your 30s or above, you can answer this question too. Does life get better? In your 30s in comparison to your 20s. So we'll think about that. I'm going to think about that. I'll get back to that at the end of the show. Until then, stay tuned. Listen to me and Tony. Have a great conversation and we'll be right back. Everybody, I got a good friend from back in the day, the mean streets of Mumford High School, 
Miss uh, Tony Dixon. Say hi to the people, Miss Tony. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we, we try to make her nervous so I can uh, mess with her. It's fun for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Tony, um, before we get started, um, why don't you go ahead and throw out your social medias if you want to, your your, your Twitters if you got a Twitter page, or Christian Mingle, your J, <laughs> J Dates. Twitter, and I don't know if I want strangers on my Facebook. I got enough people report me, which is why I'm in Facebook jail. So, yeah, uh, wait, time out. <laughs> before we, yeah, before we jump into things, um, so naked midgets, huh? <laughs> you say what? So, so naked midgets, huh? Yeah, but it was like a post from five years ago. I didn't even know that it was still on my page. You know how Facebook has a thing where it shows your memories or something? Yeah. I guess someone viewed my memories and saw a picture of a naked midget and found it offensive. So I'm in Facebook jail for a week. It was funny because, like, I I know I had talked to you on Facebook like a couple days before that, and then you was like, "I'm in Facebook jail." I'm like, "For what?" Yeah, I was like, "What is his Instagram name?" Because I had got your message, but it kept saying, "Um, "Message can't be sent. Message can't be sent." Um. Something and being found abusive, and I'm like, what did I say that was abusive? Um, and then when I logged in on my computer, I saw the picture. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's my naked midgets. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it was a naked old midget. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know if I want new friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you, you ain't got to throw your social medias out there, but uh, you got anything you're promoting or anything like that? You selling weed on the side, something? Nah. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> nah. Okay. Nah. I, I'm, I'm in the background. I'm innocent. All right. All right. All right. So, uh, well, first, thank you for uh, for being on the show. I uh, threw a message out on Facebook, seeing that people want to talk about what was going on in the country, and like you were one of the first people to to volunteer. So, thank you for uh, for volunteering. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. No problem. No problem. Um, well, th- this series of shows that I'm doing is basically talking about all the, the race issues that's going on in our country. I'm recording with a few people, you know, just to get their opinions. And I want to get, you know, perspectives from, from different people, um, young people, older people, male, female. So you, you basically fit one of those categories somewhere. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, why don't you tell the people where you're from? Or wh- I'm from Detroit. Okay. I'm from the east side of Detroit, six miles. Ooh. And I currently... Re- uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. What? I don't hear nothing say ooh. Huh? I don't know what you're talking but, about. <laughs> <laughs> but I currently reside in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. So how are things down there in the ATL? Uh, it's different. Really? Um, that's the only way I can describe it. It's it's very different. All right, different how? Um, it's slow. Um, it's kind of more family oriented, peaceful, uh, and the people are. I don't want to say friendlier. Um. 
but they're kind of more open and they're kind of touchy feely, which I don't like that shit. But that's <laughs> what they are. Uh, but uh, it's a good startup place to try to start all over and get your life together, and that's what I like about it. Okay, it's a different home though. So yeah, after your drug, you know, ring got busted here in Detroit, you went down to Atlanta to start all over again. Yeah, I went to Atlanta, style over <laughs> <laughs> Joking, by the way, joking, joking, joking. Um, well, <laughs> um, well, have you have you watched the the new TV show Atlanta with uh, Donald Glover? I love that show. Okay, I'm, I I'm, I watch it. Is that is that show kind of an accurate description of Atlanta? Because she she wasn't like feeling him at all until she he uh, said he was a rapper. Yeah. Yeah, and then a lot of of the people who I have met or encountered out here, it seems like everybody is either a model, singer, or a rapper. So yeah, it kind of sounds like Detroit too. to a friend of mine from that lives in uh, Charlotte now he's from Detroit but he lives in Charlotte now and um it, you know it's a lot of, lot going on there in Charlotte there's a lot of protests going on after I forget I can't remember the guy's name it's sad there's so many shootings going on I start forgetting people's names but um he was kind of telling me how the racial situation is in Charlotte so well how long have you been in Atlanta so so far four years four years four years so in, uh-huh. your, in your four years in Atlanta have you kind of gotten a, a gist of what the racial situation is down there um I don't know yes and no I haven't had to deal with any um racial issues firsthand just yet <laughs> but 
most that I see out here, which is something that I'm not used to seeing, um, I see a lot of people driving around with their Confederate flag. Um, okay. And now presidential election and stuff is um, taking off or whatnot. I see a lot of people um, showing their support for Trump. But other than that, you know, I haven't had any issues firsthand with how um, one race makes another. No. Okay. Well, because, like, from, from someone who's been living in Detroit, you kind of know, you know the border. Like, once you cross 8 Mile, you know things are different. You in the boondocks, yeah. Exactly. Is, is there sort of like a, a 8 Mile, quote-unquote, in Atlanta? Is there like that that line? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like it. There's parts of Atlanta that reminds me of Detroit. Um, there's areas that remind me of Detroit. They remind me of home. It looks like home. And like for instance, when I first came to Georgia, I was then in College Park. Okay. Um which some people consider a bad area. For, to me, it was a bad. Um, if I don't hear lots of gunshots, I feel like I'm safe. <laughs> right. But um, <laughs> I stayed out there, and when I told the person who I was staying with at the time that I was moving out to Gwinnett County, uh-huh. um, she said that I feel like I was better than her because I wanted to move from that area to a somewhat better area. Um, hmm. So I guess that's kind of like the equivalent of staying, you know, maybe on six mile or whatever, trying to go across eight mile. So basically you, know, that's basically it's like moving from like Detroit to like Farmington or, or, yeah, or something yeah. like that. Okay. Wow. Like, it, that's how I, uh, you you uh, kind of reminded me of a little story that I had. I have my sister. She lives in Athens, right? So, uh-huh. so um, I came down there, you know, just to visit or whatever. But like before I went down there, let's let you know how long ago this was. I was talking to this uh, girl on Black Planet, <clears throat> dating myself. <laughs> but uh, she she lived in Athens too. So you know, she, I you know when I went down there, I'm like, you know, I'll be down there in a couple of weeks. I'm gonna come see you. So. I, I told my brother-in-law where I was going, the name of the apartment complex, and he was like, hey, man, take my gun with you. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why do I need a gun? So I went hey. I went over there, and it's like, honestly, these apartments look like something that you would see out, out in, like, Farmington or something like that, but apparently it was the projects. But I'm like, man, if these is projects, man, you can sign me up for this right now. That's funny because... Um, I think I have those same type of um, conversations with people out here. Uh-huh. Um, certain places that I stayed out in Georgia or in Atlanta, people say um, they're bad places or bad areas or whatnot. But to me, being from where I'm from, that the places that they describe out here as bad places to me seems like it's safe. Because it doesn't look like or it doesn't even come close to places that I've lived or been or seen in Detroit. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I, I know where you're coming from. I understand. 
Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you might want to take my gun with you. I'm like, I don't need a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get you. I get where you're coming from. Wow. So um, wh- where you are in Atlanta, do you interact with a lot of white people w- w- down there? Or is it... <laughs> Yes. Okay. Okay, but not necessarily. Only at work. Um, not necessarily outside of work. I I have had some coworkers that I um associated with outside of work, but it's too kind of to a minimum because we think differently. So okay. yeah. Yeah, that's actually something I kind of wanted to get into. So, um. Whenever something happens in our country dealing with race, especially police brutality, do do you guys ever have conversations about them? Actually, I did. Uh, one of my coworkers, she just so happened to be Hispanic. Okay. Um, I talk with her about a lot of um, the issues that happen. A lot of uh, social issues and race issues that happen. Um, I have conversations with her because she kind of doesn't get it. Really? And, um, huh? So the, your Hispanic co-worker doesn't really get it? Yeah, she doesn't really get it. I think for a lot of people, it's weird, I guess, in a sense. For, for some people, they can show sympathy and compassion for like um, the Orlando shooting, the Orlando nightclub shooting, right. they can have compassion for that. Um, they can automatically have compassion for 9-11. Right. They have compassion for, um, uh, I think it was Sandy Hook. They have compassion for that. But when a black man or a black woman is shot dead, it's just like, well, why didn't they listen to what the officer said. Um, and with her, that's kind of how she thinks as well. Right. So I had to try to, like, explain certain things to her. Um, because she has, well, this this coworker in particular, she has um, a thing against Muslims. <laughs> really? Um, yeah. She has just this thing. She sees Muslims. <laughs> Uh, he feels like they're killers, they're bad, they're terrorists, and stuff like that. So I have conversations with her about <laughs> Muslims and um, black people as well. And Hispanics, because she's a minority. And, right. I mean, she's going she to feel the same type of pain that we feel. There's no difference. Well, so when you talk to her, do you feel like she's open to listening to what you're saying or kind of, not, not necessarily like she's going to listen to what you're saying and just automatically change, but does she at least like listening, you know, engage in the conversation? Yeah, she does. I mean, she she doesn't change her stance because her view is her view and it's nothing nobody can do to change that. That's, she's been thinking that way for however amount of years she's been thinking that way. Um but she does listen, and she does um, respect my opinion. Okay, so you, um, you feel like you can actually have a conversation with her about 
uh, what's going on in the country. have a good conversation with her and it's not to the point where we can where we argue or nothing like that like we both give each other the floor the opportunity to talk and explain ourselves and explain our reasoning um which is good even though we disagree on certain matters and certain issues all right you feel like you can have that same type of conversation with any of your other co-workers I don't think I could talk. I haven't, you know what? I haven't even talked to any of my other coworkers about um, these type of issues because I don't feel as if it will um, <laughs> go the same way it goes with me and her. So, in other words, you're going to have to cut somebody after having that conversation, pretty much. Yeah, or I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Basically. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I well, I find it kind of odd that in this country we we have all these different issues. Like you brought up nine eleven and Sandy Hook and uh, Orlando, and we can have conversations about that. But when it comes to black issues, it seems like no one wants to have the conversation. And right. especially at work, because when you're at work, when you're not actually doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is work. You know, <laughs> <laughs> You you have that cooler talking. You talk about everything that goes on in the world. So, you know, you can talk about a lot of guys. We sit around and talk about sports or whatever. You know, women, y'all talk about whatever it is that y'all talk about at the cooler. But <laughs> it seems like when black issues come up, it seems like we can't have that conversation for some reason. Yeah, everybody, like it's like they turn a deaf ear or – um, they get quiet, or they say, no, that's not what it is. You took it the wrong way. It's, not, it's like it's such a sensitive topic, and everybody wants to sweep it up under a rug. Right. Nobody wants to talk about it. Um, everybody, when it, when it comes to a black person um, dying or going through some type of injustice, no matter what it is or what it involves, Everybody wants to just turn a deaf ear. They don't want to talk about it. But if it's a white person, if it's a gay person, um, if it's anybody else or and a Muslim done it, they all want to talk about it. They all they want to take um, to, uh, blame the Muslims, tell them to go back to their country, yada yada yada. Um, I just I don't get it. I don't get it. And if you try to explain it to certain people. Um, I guess their ignorance will start to show. Like, you'll start to see how ignorant people truly are. And uh, I guess that's one of the, uh, another reason why I don't really try to engage in those type of conversations with some of my uh, white coworkers. Because I just, I, I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd rather not. I, and I, I definitely understand. Sometimes, sometimes I... I don't. I don't like talking about these things because I like. If I find out how you really think about it, it lets me know how stupid you really are, and I don't like talking to stupid people. Right, <laughs> <laughs> and it'll change your opinion and, and viewpoint about that person. Y'all might have like a good work, working relationship, and then you talk about something of that nature, and it kind of put a dent in the relationship and how you view that person. And nope. I'd rather not. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, I, I definitely agree. But I, I think 
especially now with the election going on, I think a lot of I think a lot of people are voicing their opinion a lot more openly than they normally would since uh well I'm just not gonna sugarcoat it. Since Donald Trump done done brought all the racists out <laughs> and and, yeah. and and gave him a voice. Do you you feel like you've experienced people being more bold about their their views aside from uh, like you were saying with the people with the their Confederate flags like just in at work or just people around you do you find that people are a little bit more bold about their opinion of other races? Um. So far being out here, I haven't, like, really had to experience it firsthand. Um, I can say that um, since Donald Trump has been able to get as far as he has in the election, um, it has brought up more of a conversation. Um I've heard or, or overheard people talking to other people about it and about their viewpoints on Trump and why Trump should win and yada, yada, yada. But um, and I've, I've seen things on social media. But I hate going through the, through the comment section of certain posts, but right. I've seen things and seen what um, other people, other races, and our race, um, thinks. Um based off of Trump and his views and his supporters or whatnot. But firsthand, me having to deal or interact with a person who supports Trump or whatnot, no, you know, no. I, I, I hope I don't have to go down the road. Okay. I, hopefully you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, there's computer flags and stuff that I've seen, uh, that, that I've been seeing that since, um, before he put his bid in. Um, that's, but like I said, that was new for me to see just the uh, people in the trucks driving with the flag just out there or seeing hang up on the poles outside of apartment complexes and stuff. Like that was new for me. Um, and I didn't understand it. Um, but and I've also had a, uh, actually, you know what? I did have, I did have a situation where a family member of mine was dating a white woman who had Confederate flags posted all over her Facebook page, and she had she's supposedly a preacher or not, but he was posting pictures saying that he didn't see anything wrong with the Confederate flag that is. Um, what do they say? Southern pride and all of that good stuff. Um, but they didn't last too long. And then he went back to um, being black. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I mean, I've seen that. But I, I do think with Trump running... Um, it has sparked more conversations and it has caused people to notice things more. Um, yeah, I agree. Because, yeah, for me, uh, I just noticed 
many people, how you notice, like, how many people think like him. There's a lot of people who think like him, but they just wasn't saying it. Exactly. You know, they were keeping quiet right. or whatnot. And you can tell, just without even having to see the numbers, you can tell and just imagine how many people um, there are who believes in what he believes in by how far he has um by how far he has come in this uh, presidential race. I mean, he's, he's on the Republican ballot. Well, I mean, so me, that should tell you about that. Let me ask you a quick question about that. Like, when did you, what was the point in his whole run that you realized, like, oh, shit, this might actually happen? Um, you know what? <laughs> I guess when everybody started bowing out. Um, when people started, because at first, you know, I wasn't taking it seriously. I'm like, oh, Trump, because he did this before right. um, when Obama was running. Um, so I'm like, yeah, whatever. Um, he's a joke, and they're not going to let that man get too far. And then, slowly but surely, as people started dropping out the race, just dropping, 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 I'm like, they really going to let this man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Republican nominee. Are they really gonna let this? They not gonna let this man. They let this man do it. Like I was, I was shocked. And then I'm like, okay, well maybe there's a way where they can get him to drop out because he's not qualified. But no, they really let this man make it this far. And then on top of that, you know, they got the nerve to have certain Republicans. Backing him. Right. Like, really? So, like, he's a strong candidate. Well, they were before, before he said he wanted to grab people's pussies. <laughs> but, uh, um, they had people, like, really backing this man. And still now, I'm kind of in shock and other disbelief um, that, he's still, that he's still, like, a selection. I don't. Yeah, I, I can't believe it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I kind of had a moment like I want to. It was like a year and a half ago. It was it was before like, like even the the Republican debates were even going on, and like all these polls were coming out, and the, and he was like winning them, and I'm like, how? Like, cause he, like like you said, he's he's done this before. He's talked about oh I'm gonna run, but then he just bows out, you know. Whenever a, whenever a new season of The Apprentice comes out, you know, he'll talk about running for president just to get some publicity, and then he'll just bow out, you know, and then go back to doing what he does. But I'm like, nah, man, he's, like, actually, like, people are actually, like, following this. And, like, at that point, yeah. at that point, I was terrified because I'm like, yeah. I'm like, N no, like, I'm, <laughs> no, like, I'm, I'm not a... Yeah. I don't consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. I don't consider I'm not uh -huh. the most political person. But I'm uh -huh. saying, like, y'all can't find anybody. Anybody. Like, nobody. Nobody. <laughs> like, this. It was no, nobody was available. I mean, anybody. Right. Nobody. I, I guess not. I mean, if he can run for president with no political background, I mean, I'm going to put my bid in the next four years because, um, <laughs> hey, if he can do it, anybody can. Shoot, me and my kids, we all going to 
something comes up that says hey this guy shouldn't be president his supporters find some way to justify it and yeah. and with with the whole recent um grabbing women by the pussy thing <laughs> he <laughs> <they're>, <laughs> okay how, how 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 does this happen how how Okay, I didn't mean I like know. I didn't mean like how do you <laughs> Okay, all right. Let me, let me let me get focused. Let me get back on track. <laughs> all right. So that 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 whole tape came out last week. So within that week, there's been sort of and I don't know how like serious this was. I don't know if this came from Trump's people or just people on social media. But somebody uh-huh. somebody put out on on social media that if women didn't have the right to vote, Donald Trump would be leading in the polls. Oh wow! So there was like this hashtag going around, basically saying repeal the Nineteenth Amendment. So basically, what what this is brought out is that it's not just a race issue; it's it's a equality issue in general because now people are like well we don't want black folks muslims and mexicans voting for them now we don't want women voting for them either so so basically in this year and a half or two years that donald trump has you know been campaigning and running for president he's almost like destroyed everything all the progress has happened in the past hundred years in this country not just race issues now it's, it's female equality issues too uh-huh. So, uh, how? <laughs> how does this happen? <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, he's rich. Please. I mean, he's rich and he's old and he's white. That's how he has that privilege. Um, and like I said before, it's, up, it's a lot of people who 
think like him. They just keep quiet. A lot of people think like him, and <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's crazy to even imagine um, that something like this would even happen, um, and that he would even be a, a, a contender. I don't, I don't know. But uh, well, well, let me let me ask you this real quick. As as a woman and as a black woman, how did how do you feel hearing like all this rhetoric about? black people coming from his supporters and now the, 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 the woman's issues that's coming up with Donald Trump. Like, how does that make you feel as a woman and a black woman in America? Well, um, how can I, how can I say it? Uh, say it with your chest. Say it like you mean it. <laughs> say it with my chest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Um, and it makes me... It just makes me feel uncomfortable. I, I, I can't even think of another word for it right now. Um, it's hard being... I, I can only imagine how hard it is to be a black man. But you have to think of how hard it has to be to be a black woman. Right. Um, you're like a double minority. You're black and you're a woman. Right, right. Um, we have to try ten times harder to be to, to prove to someone that we are as good as we say we are. We are looked at or thought of as as the bottom of the barrel for some odd reason. Right. Um, to hear a man or to know that there's a man out there who feels like winning their their thoughts or um, their wants or their ideas or what have you is um, not valued, that's a problem or whatnot. And to know that also this man is running from presidency and that he has an issue with black people that he feels from what, from his debates and just from him talking, Donald Trump, when he talks about black people, he always refers to black people as African American. Right. Well, he, okay. Um, let's give Donald. Let's give Donald Trump a little bit of credit. Before we were the blacks, and now we're the African American. <laughs> so he has made a little bit of progress. Oh, oh, he improved. Okay, so okay, he get a cookie. He he improved a little <laughs> bit. But um, I, I, to me, I don't get that. Is like, what is the African Americans like? I don't understand. How, why and he says that or refers to black people as the African American. On top of that, when he speaks about racial issues and um, black people and the issues that we face in the African American community, he um, he associates black people with living in the inner city. Like, yes. every time he brings up black people, he brings up the inner city. And then he says things like, they can't, they have the, the um, worst school, they can't go outside without getting shot. It's like, what movie are you watching? What are you watching? What are you watching? Right. Um, and it's not, not, and it's not to say people. that doesn't, it's not to say that doesn't happen, but it's not every black pe- person in the country lives in the city. Like, Right, or grew up that way. I mean, I, I did, but I'm saying, 
that's not, you know, that that that's not the lifestyle or the life of every black person. Um, but I feel like um, with him, he doesn't really care about any other race or any other person outside of himself or um, people who have money. Uh, Trump had went to, I think he was in Detroit, some church in Detroit. Um, oh, yeah, he went to uh, Wayne T. Jackson's church. Okay. Hmm. That, hmm. <clears throat> don't, so, don't, yeah, that's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> yeah. So you go out to this church, and I've I seen a clip, uh, I watched as much as I could watch, probably maybe um, 25 seconds, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but in the clip, you in a church, you, <laughs> it look, you look like, and everybody else in there look like they're making a mockery of of what's supposed to be going on inside of uh, uh, the church or whatever. Right. Yeah, and then you look very uncomfortable. Um, it looks stereotypical, like how people describe the stereotypical black church. Right. That's what it looked like. I didn't like that. Um, it's just like he was making a mockery of us. And for people to be around him, our people to be around him <laughs> and encouraging that behavior... I don't know that, that I don't even know half the words to how that made me feel. Um, well, when I when I found I out when I found out it was Wayne T. Jackson that it was his church. I, I, at that point, I'm like, okay, I already know. Like, <laughs> Wayne T. Jackson is the guy who, at two o'clock in the morning, I'm watching one of his little. You know, they used to show like the the like the little shows of you know, his service or whatever. Like at two o'clock in the morning, I'm watching this, and Wayne T. Jackson is literally selling a Xerox copy of his handprints because he says he has blessed hands. So he's selling like Xerox copies of his handprints for twenty dollars a piece. Yeah, I can understand why he had Donald Trump at his church. Okay, well, well, I see why he picked that church. I mean, it's it's a gimmick. Um, and that's how I feel like um, Trump viewed it. it. It's a gimmick. I mean, he he was saying he, Trump also said that he's going to have like ninety something percent of the African American vote or whatever. I don't know where he got that from, but um, <laughs> it's just the way he he views black people um, is horrible. Um, and the way the way he views minorities, period, is horrible. But just as a black woman, um, I don't know how I can I can't even I don't even have the words to express how I feel. I don't think there are no words to express how I feel, the anger that I may have, um because of some of the things that are happening, especially in the presidential race. I I don't even I don't know. I'm I'm at a loss to be honest. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't either. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, I'm I'm not even really that big on Hillary either. But it's like, oh, me. <laughs> I'm I'm. I feel like me voting is me choosing. Like, do I want a pile of shit or a pile of vomit? Like, neither one is good. But <laughs> which one am I willing to deal with? Hey, I mean. My thing with Hillary, 
because Hillary oh, done made, made a couple comments herself about black people that I'm not too fond of, like the whole super predator thing that she was pushing back in the day. Yeah. And even with her campaign, in the beginning stages of her campaign, um, they were showing clips and stuff where supporters from Black Lives Matter, um, or Black Lives Matter, um, supporters from that group were coming to her rallies and to speak out and get her to talk about it, and she had them escorted out. Right. Um, wow. And then after she had them escorted out or whatever, everybody is cheering on that she had them escorted out or whatnot, and then you go on a radio station, um, and she's like, yeah, she has hot sauce in her bag. Yeah, really? that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Stuff like that. You know, it's like, I don't know how to feel about her. I, I mean, to be honest, she kind of in the same boat as Trump to me. Um, he just covers up, he covers up her shit better. Yeah. Um, like, Donald Trump doesn't really give a fuck. That's that's what, if, yeah. it, if it's one thing I re- you got respect about him not to cut you off, but that's one thing this uh, let's let's just say let's say hillary wins right uh-huh. <laughs> but let's say she wins <laughs> let's say she wins like 55 percent to 45 percent right just you know it was a close race but she still got got most most of the votes uh-huh. would donald trump getting 45 percent of this country's votes worry you or would that like scare you at all Well, for, let me well, let me tell you how I look at it. For me, basically, what that's saying is that there's 45 percent of you can't even say the country. 45 percent of the people that actually vote that actually feel that Donald Trump, <laughs> number one, is a viable candidate and agree with what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, it, it would make me think. It would, so, how can I put it? Um, it will actually show you that there's really people who still have this type of mindset that no matter what has happened, no matter how the world has evolved, no matter how the legal system, law, everything has changed, no matter how much things people of all colors have overcame, it's still people 
people think, uh, and, a, and a large majority of people who still think like him, right? Which is a problem. And, and, you know, and, and, think that's a lie. And and that's what that's that's the part that that scared that kind of scares me and worries me because, you know. You, you hear all the time, like, oh, things have gotten better. Things are a lot better now. And, yes, they are. But how much better are they when we still have that large amount of people that think this way? And it, and when you have that large amount of people thinking that way, it lets you know why situations like Eric Gardner and Oscar Grant, Mike Brown, and all these other people that are getting killed, it lets you know why it's happening and why people are getting away with it because you have this large majority of people that think this way and don't have a problem with it. The thing about it is there has always been a large majority of people who thought like this. The difference is like, uh, um, I've heard people say the difference is now we have camera phones, we are recording it, but there has always been lots of people who felt like this, they've just been covering up or they've been able to do their dirt in the dark right. where nobody else can see it, you right. know. Um, especially with the police department, when you throw up the police department, they're, they're, they are taught to protect their brothers, you know. They're taught to protect they, their own. Right. So before um, having a person come out there with a camera phone, they could easily cover up a lot of stuff. Even if they couldn't cover it up and that was put out there on TV or whatnot, they were able to get away with it. Um, they found a way to cover it up to get away with it and to get off or whatnot. But there has always been um, a large amount of people who thought like this. Some of them just sit in the dark. I mean, uh, I mean, that's just it's, it's been like this for years, for years. And like, I feel like the, 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 a little bit of better, but not not so much. Right, and I feel like the, the biggest example of. Uh, what you were talking about is Rodney King. That happened in what ninety one, ninety two, and uh-huh. it was it was on camera of police officers beating the shit out of this guy, and uh-huh. and they got off. Yeah, and, and and like a lot of people when when they saw the L.A. riots, and I was a kid at the time, I didn't understand what was going on, but now that I'm older, uh-huh. I, I definitely understand now because it's like okay. Uh-huh. We've been telling you for the longest the police have been doing this. Like, NWA's uh, fuck the police. That wasn't just us, you know, being vulgar. That was us telling you what what was actually going on. And now that we had it on camera, we finally going to get them. We finally going to get justice. But no, God gets off. So now everybody's pissed off. And there's no other. And basically at that point, it's like, what else do you do? Like, you, you when situations like this happen, you're supposed to go through the justice system. And the justice system is supposed to work. But it didn't, because the guy was on cam- Those guys were on camera beating the shit out of Rodney King, and they still uh-huh. get off. So what do you what do you expect us to do now? Now we're just angry, and we have to let that anger out somehow. And see, they let those officers off or whatnot, and then Mark, uh, um, Rodney King had came back with the civil suit, and he got the money. And I guess they felt like, okay, giving him money will compensate for us beating his ass. Okay, fine, Dandy, if that's how y'all feel. But when the L.A. riots happened because of that and because of other issues, too, when they pulled the white man out of the trucker and beat his ass, all the world went crazy. They went crazy for the black man out there beating up the white, the innocent white guy who was just in his truck trying to, you know, 
uh, drive and deliver his packages or whatnot. But that was the same um, thing with Rodney King. I mean, yeah, okay, he wasn't no innocent man as far as his background go or what what have you. Right. But he, um, whatever he did in his past, didn't give no excuse for him to get beaten by four men. And all of them, this is what I don't get either, not just with this case, but with all the cases that involve um, killing black men, black women, black children. All the officers always say they fear for their lives. How are you an officer? Why are you in that field if every time you encounter a black person you fear for your life? Right. You can be in that neighborhood. You need to be in a neighborhood where you don't fear for your life. Or you hit a different profession. How is it that you are with three other people and y'all are all with batons and tasers and guns and you fear for your life with a black man who has nothing but his fist? How? Like, I, I've never understood that. And in every situation, just like with Terrence Crusher, he's out here, his car broke down. And they showed that um, they were playing the footage or the, the audio from the helicopter. Right. And the guy said, he looks like a big black bad guy or something like to that extent. Right. How can you tell that from being all the way up in the air? And, and, and he looks like he's more something. How can you tell that from being in the air? And how does he look like a bad dude when you, it was, at, it was at, I don't know exactly how many, but it was at least three police officers there. With guns on them. They had the guns and tasers and his out. Hands up. His hands is up. You know, and it's like, it's, it's always something. Every every time you hear of these stories or these incidents that involve our people, the police or whoever is the one that has done the shooting always say they fear for their life, and I just don't get it. Um, I thought that... You're supposed to use the same amount of force that is being used upon you unless you're put in a serious or a dangerous situation. I don't see any reason where you have to pull out a gun and shoot somebody if their hands are up. I I don't get that. How are you put in a serious and dangerous situation? How are people's lives put at risk if their hands are up? What are they going to do? Spit on you? I mean, they're going to shoot bullets up their mouth? What are they going to do? I don't get it. You know, or like the young man who... Um, I think he was a therapist. He's a therapist of some sort. And yeah. he was laying down with his hands up yep. trying to protect um, the young autistic man who was next to him. And they shot him. And when he, he asked, like, hey, why you shoot me? He said, oh, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, are you serious? <laughs> and it's like, okay, so I'm, I'm laying on the ground. My hands are up. I'm telling you, hey, this guy, he has mental issues. I'm just trying to get him back into the building. What threat is he at that point? What threat? So you know, it's crazy. So and then so okay. The way my mind works is that when when something happens, I, I try to I try to come up with a solution for it, a logical solution. So with with all these police shootings that's been going on. One thing I've been thinking is like, okay, maybe the training for police has to be better, right? Mm-hmm. Because obviously, if you're threatened by these situations, maybe you need to be trained better. You need more training. The process needs to be longer. Maybe something ha- training is most of the time when you're at work, when something goes wrong, the first thing they do is they retrain you or they talk about training. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe that works in this situation. But 
for some reason, when you bring that up, it gets shot down. Mm-hmm. Like, I, 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 I like my police see, officer to get as much training as possible. I don't know if it's the training or what. What? What? When you're um, out training to become a police officer, or you're going through. Uh, Application process and the assessment and all that stuff. They're supposed to get. They're supposed to do. Supposedly they do an extensive background check. Um, they do a physical agility, and um, they have you do an interview in front of the a board or board, and then you have like a written exam and a mental evaluation. Um, my thing is, how is it that? There can be so many racist and screwed up cops passing this mental evaluation, and nobody knows their past until after they shoot a person, or kill a person, or harm a person to do get get caught up in some type of um, criminal activity, and then Facebook and other people can find out all the crazy stuff they were into, but not. Oh, I got, oh I, I got a quick answer for that. Okay, well, come on. Let me know. Well, um, man, and I don't even know if I should really say this because... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, basically, the way... How can I say this without getting myself into trouble? Uh-oh. The system in which... Uh, police officers are governed sets it up so that basically if you know somebody you can get in. Right. I, I, I agree. I agree. But I think that that's, that's what the problem is. And until that can be fixed, you know, things don't continue to carry on how they've been carrying on. Like I said before, the police and stuff like that, that's their, their brotherhood. Whether you have good cops and bad cops, the good cop is going to have to stay with the bad cops just because they don't want to go through um, the hazing or whatever that they may have to go through if they try to turn against their partner or against their colleague. Right. It's like, it's, like the so, guy, it's like the godfather. You don't go against the family. So Right. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's like a win-win like situation. Right. And if if you're one of those people that are already in, you're going to bring more people in that you know into that mm-hmm. system. And more than likely, mm-hmm. these people think the same way that you do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as far as trying to fix the situation with the police and um uh, uh, and the way they view black people or people of color, I don't even know of a solution that can fix that. I don't even think the training can even help in, uh, fix the situation even a little bit. These are people's own personal beliefs that they're using to go out there on the street to, um, to harm and target other people. You know, and that's the sad part. You can't be in a nice neighborhood and be black or be a person of color without police or someone in the neighborhood who may not have seen you 
thinking that you're suspicious or you a robber or a burglar or something like that, and that's sad. Right. Like I got I got a friend you know? I got a friend from work. Um, I won't say his name, but he he's from Canada, and he he lives oh. here now. He lives in uh, <laughs> you'll you'll know this area. He's he lives in Gross Point Woods. He he lives in Gross Point or oh, Gross Point okay. Woods. So, okay. um, growing up on East Side, you already know how it is over there for Black folk. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so. My friend, he's a white guy from Canada, so he he really doesn't. And, and one thing I, I I love about him is that he wants to understand what's going on. So whenever something black, some black issue comes up, he'll ask me like, "Devin, what's going on? Can you explain it to me?" <laughs> so, and, and I, I think we need more of that, but that's neither here nor there. So he he just got a new house out in Gross Point Woods, and he's he's seeing it for himself. Like whenever black because he lives like close to the border, so whenever like black people are in that area, he sees the police pull up on them, whether it's warranted or not. And like, I I could tell like he was hurt because he said like Devin, I'm afraid to invite you to my house because I don't want you, I don't want anything to happen to you. And I'm like, oh, like that, like dude, the fact that you said that lets me know a lot that you understand the situation. And all I can say to you is I'm sorry. It's not my fault, but all I can do is say I'm sorry, man. Cause like me and me and him are cool, but, and like, he would love to have me over to his house, but he, he, he feels afraid because he feels like something would happen. Not that it might happen. He feels like something would happen. And that's sad. That's sad. Um, that's sad. I don't even have another word to describe that. Um, that shows that he knows that there is a problem. Right. You know, the the thing about it is no one knows how to actually fix the problem. Yeah. Um, if you can't change, it's hard to change a person's mindset that they already have had for so long. Exactly. You know, um, you can't just go out and tell a person, okay, well, don't be scared of me because I'm black. I'm, I, I'm not going to do anything wrong, yada, 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 if they have already have, have this idea of black people implanted in their head that they're bad, bad they're evil, they're this and that, that. They have to, um, they have to figure that out for themselves. They're going to have to change their mindset themselves. There's nothing nobody else can do about that. So, I mean, it's sad to hear that a person or a coworker, a colleague, or what have you wants to invite you over, wants to um, wants you to experience their world, but they're afraid to do so because something may happen to you because you're not their race or whatnot, and other people may not understand why you're in that neighborhood because right. of your color. Is That's that? sad. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, that just lets it be known that people know that there is an issue. There is a big issue, but nobody wants to talk about it. That's the problem. Nobody wants to talk about it. They want to keep it a secret or keep it under the rug. Exactly. Because it's about black people. I, I, I don't know. So, well, I well, well, let me let me ask you this. Um I'm pretty sure you have two kids, right? 
girl and a boy. Okay, so how hard is it being a parent of two African American kids right now? Okay, <laughs> um, it's very hard. Um, my daughter is seven. My son is eleven. There's a lot of things um, I I feel for my daughter, but I feel for my son. Um, As a parent, you are to protect your children, you know? Right. You want to shield them from certain things. I guess that's what I try to do, but in a sense, I'm straight up with my kids. I tell them the truth. If they ask me about anything, I tell them what it is, honestly, because I'd rather them learn from me than to learn from someone else. Right. Um, it's hard because I have to tell, I have to talk with my son, I have to tell him. And my daughter, too, but she doesn't quite get it. My son, he understood. Um, but, you know, as kids, they, they have more questions. It's why. Like right. I told him, um, I call him little. I said, little, it's going to be people out here who don't like you because of the color of your skin. I know, Mom, but why? That's just how they are. But why? It's always, but why? But why? And I don't have the answers to that, you know. Um, or he has asked me, like, are the police supposed to protect me? Are they supposed to do this? Um, I'm supposed to listen to them, right? Yes, you're supposed to listen to them. But it's a, it's a slight chance that they won't give you that opportunity. And that even if you do listen to them, you, they still may harm you. So it's like, what do you do? I don't know what to tell him to do. You can tell, tell your child to be as compliant as possible and to answer all the questions and to do everything they say and to keep your hands up. And you still, they still can get killed. I mean, we saw that happen on Facebook Live with a young man who was in the car with his girlfriend and his child, and he was in a seatbelt and got shot. Yeah. Uh, Fla- and he was being compliant. Yeah, Philando Kim Steele. So- and, and the thing that was, that was bad about that, like, the whole thing was bad, but he was a he was a licensed gun owner. He had his license to carry his gun. Told the police officer, I have my gun with you, which, you know, I'm – I have a, a gun license too, and one of the first things they tell you is that if you ever get pulled over by the police, before they even ask you for your license, you let them know, "Hey, I yep. have I have my CPL, I have my pistol with me." And from there, you, at that point, you're supposed to what it's supposed to do is put the police officer in a situation where you're telling him you have your gun. So, okay, he he knows you have a gun. So, yeah, uh-huh. he's supposed to be a little bit more vigilant, but since this guy is telling me that he has a gun, okay, it should put that officer in a little bit of sense of calm. Now, at that point, yeah, he's supposed to move slowly, calm, not, don't make any sudden movements, but, yeah, he did everything he was supposed to do. He told him, I have my gun. And I, he told him, I have to reach to get my wallet so that I can show you the uh, my identification and my CPL. But he still got shot. So... Uh-huh. It's like, what do you do at that point? I mean, he, he, he did he did everything he was supposed to and still got shot. Right. And if you notice, I mean, that's been happening a lot. Um, officers go up to, to, to people, um, black people, um, 
and they're compliant or they may ask questions. You have a right to ask a question. Yeah. And even doing that, that's an issue. Also, what am I getting pulled over for? Just show me your stuff. Why do I have to show you anything? I want to know what I'm getting pulled over for. I want to know what I'm in trouble for. I want to know if I'm under arrest. And you can't even ask that. Um, or you do everything. You don't even ask questions. You do everything they say. And you still get shot. Or you get arrested. Or what they do is they'll pull you out the car and say that you're resisting arrest when you're not. Exactly. You're actually doing everything that they say, but they find a reason to arrest you. I watched the video um, of a man who was on his mother's porch. He was sitting on her porch. He was waiting for her to come home because I think he said that he um, left his key or didn't have his key or some, something. Right, that's on the video, yeah. Thought, yeah, he thought that um, he was checking the dog to see if he could get in through the garage or whatever. And I guess a neighbor saw him and felt like he looked suspicious. They called the police and he explained to them that it was his mother's home. He was waiting for her to come home. He was still on the porch. He explained why he had the rake or the shovel, whatever he had. And that wasn't good enough for police. And they tackled this man down to the ground and then tried to say that he was resisting arrest. How can you resist arrest when you're already down on the ground and they have your hands already behind your back? How? Right. He wasn't doing anything. You know, then they took his phone and threw it. It's just like, my issue with police is they think they're above the law themselves. Exactly. They think that they are just, that, that there is no, no no one or nothing that's higher than them. Or what that. So that they can get away with anything and doing anything and that they can talk and say and do anything to you and get away with it. Um, Wait, have you, so, have, have, you ever huh? had, have you ever had any interaction with the police? Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Okay, the way you said that, you don't have to get into it if you don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't... The only time, I guess, I felt some type of fear was with the um, recent events that's been happening. I think I started to kind of get nervous. Um, I was talking about police... Um, maybe a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I called my mother, and I told her what happened, and I told her, and she was hanged up, she was like, Tony, okay, um, do what he says, and I said, no, I need somebody to stay on the phone with me just in case it doesn't go well. I, and it's crazy that that's the first thing that came to my mind. And although he was a nice officer, um, it was funny because he was from Detroit, too, um, and he was cool, calm, and collective. The thing about it, in my mind, I didn't know how he was going to be. I didn't know what was going to happen, what was going to transpire. And I felt like I had to have a witness somehow, some way, to be there and be my voice just in case something happened. Right. And that's sad. That's sad. There was a point in time where... I actually wanted to be a police officer. Really? <laughs> um, I actually wanted to work in law enforcement. Um, that's what my degree is in, actually. Really? And, um, yeah. There was a, I mean, I had a strong, strong passion. You couldn't tell me 
nothing about the police. I just thought that what they did was right and and everything. The legal system was good and fair and all of this. Like, that's really how I thought. And then life happened, I guess. And I grew up and I started to pay attention to it. And I started to, um, I guess, focus and read more. And, um, Although I do still have a little fire burning in me for law, for the legal system, that's not somewhere I want to be. Right. Uh, and it's something that I want to even pursue anymore just because of the recent events and how people just view people of color. Um, I don't know how to respond to certain things in certain situations like that. I don't want to come off as the angry black woman or whatnot, but I don't know how how to respond to certain issues like that. All right, we're going to pause this conversation right here. Um, once again, I want to thank Tony for joining me on the show. We jumped into a lot of different topics, and like I said, this is part one, so we're going to jump into many, many more topics. Uh, we're we're going to talk about Tony's time at Gwinnett College. We're also going to jump into Colin Kaepernick and athletes and their protests. We're going to talk about a young lady by the name of Tommy Lauren. We're going to get Tony's thoughts and opinions on her. We're also going to jump into the controversy surrounding the movie Birth of a Nation and Nate Parker. We're also going to discuss a woman by the name of Jan Elliott. She comes up on a number of occasions in our conversation, so we're going to talk about her a little bit, too. So make sure you stay tuned for part two of this episode. Now, I'm going to answer that question that was brought up in the intro of the show uh, by my niece, Takenya McKenzie, from the Takenya Talks podcast. The question she asked was, does life get better in your 30s in comparison to your 20s? And in my opinion, quite frankly, it depends on who you are. You have a lot of people who basically had their glory days in high school and, and college. You know, I call it the Al Bundy syndrome. You know, I threw four touchdowns back in <laughs> Polk High in high school. But, you know, me personally, I feel like I'm my life is a lot better now than it was in my early and late 20s. I'm at a position right now where I'm making more money than I have in, in my whole life. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I'm doing things that I've always wanted to do. Like the last, I would say, two years have probably been two of the best years of my life. And I'm 31 now. I've In the past year, I've gone to Vegas twice. I've taken... Uh, different trips all across the country, going I've knocked things off of my bucket list. I've gone to a lot of UFC fights. Anybody that listens to the show and knows me knows that I'm <laughs> going to UFC fights all the time. I've been going to WWE events. I'm going to football games. I'm in the process right now of going to see a football game in every stadium in the country, and I'm having fun with that. I'm... On my fourth, no, third one this year so far, I've gone to a Cleveland Browns, Indianapolis Colts, and a Baltimore Ravens game. 
I'm going to Arizona Cardinals game and a New Orleans Saints game later on this year, and I might try to squeeze another one in there. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself right now. Um, I have my own place. I have no major debt. I'm I'm in a good place right now. I'm kind of getting to that point now where I want to keep, you know, I definitely want to keep having fun. Definitely want to enjoy life. And, you know, I work hard. So when I get free time, I want to do something with it. So I'm either recording, doing podcasts, which is something that I've always wanted to do. Man, I started my own podcast, man. I finally started a podcast, something I wanted to do for years. And I'm, I'm doing that. So... I'm at this point now in my life where, yeah, things are are going very well for me. But what you also have to realize is that in in life, you go through peaks and valleys. And right now, I'm I'm at a peak right now. Things are going good for me. But before this, man, things were rough, you know. So throughout your life, you're going to have all these, you're going to have ups and downs. One thing you have to realize and, you know, Especially for my niece, she's 22 right now. Very young. You, you At that point, you don't really know who you are. You really don't find out who you are. <sighs> I would say until after like 26, 27. I think at that point is when you really start to get an idea of who you really are as a person. Like you kind of know at 22, 21, 22, but you still have a young mindset. You still, you still experiencing things. And it's, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you have to realize that, you know, the older you get, the more you experience in life, the more you get to know who you truly are. you I mean, you really don't know who you truly are until you've been through some things. So, <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not, but that, that's why I honestly, I honestly think no one should ever, ever get married or have kids until they're 25 years old. I, I think once you hit 25... It's when you start beginning to really know who you are as a person, and then you start getting some maturity about yourself. So, <laughs> I think at that after that, once you really know who you truly are, then you can start settling down and having kids. And at that point, you know you're, you know, if you follow the the quote unquote plan, you're out of college. You've been working in your field for a couple of years. You're starting to get established. But man, I'm right now. I'm having a good time. I'm I'm enjoying my thirties. Things are things are working out. Things are settling down. Th- things are <sighs> things are good right now. So, but you also have to realize that yeah. <laughs> there's someone 40 years old or someone's just older than me that's, that's hearing me say this and it's like man get ready because this is going to happen you know they're they looking at me like oh you're still I'm still young and you don't know what's coming you know so there's a lot of things that you have to deal with in your 
30s that you don't necessarily have to deal with in your 20s. But I know at the same time, there's people in their 40s that look at me like, man, you, you just don't know. Um, and Takan was talking about how basically as soon as she turned 20, people in her life started to pass away. And I mean, honestly, death is a part of life. But the older you get, the more and more you have to deal with it. One thing that I've had to deal with is people that you went to high school with and grew up with, you know, you start losing. A couple of months ago, um, <clears throat> person that I used to work with at TJ Maxx uh, back in high school, um, he tragically lost his life a couple of months ago. And, you, you know, the, the weird thing is, is that before I found out that he passed away, I was thinking, man, I would love to get Mike on the podcast. And then... Um, <clears throat> all of a sudden I'm on Facebook and I see an obituary with his picture on it. And it, it, you know, it, it, it kind of shook me up. So <clears throat> when you get older, you have to start dealing with death a lot more. You, once you get older, you kind of you realize things about the world that you didn't see before <clears throat> um like if, for those of you that, that listen to this show you can hear some of the issues that you know me and tony were talking about a, a lot of these things i wasn't thinking about when i was 21 22 years old you once you get older you know yeah you're 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 in a financial situation that more than likely is better than when you were younger, <clears throat> but you have a lot more responsibilities. Also, you have a lot of things that hit you that you didn't think you had to deal with. You know, yeah, I'm having f more fun than I was when I was 21. I, you know, I'm doing a lot of things that I've wanted to do my whole life, but at the same time, I have more responsibilities now. You know what I mean? I'm, I work a lot, <laughs> you know, I, I work, you know, basically 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, at least five days a week, sometimes six, I even work seven days a week sometimes. So with <laughs> almost like the Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility, but yeah, the older you get, the more responsibilities you have, like me, I'm you know, I'm not married and I don't have kids, but, you know, you got to think about the people my age that are married and do have kids and have a, a house and a, have, you know, mortgage payments and car payments and, um, you know, have to get their roof replaced and, you know, all these different things. So with getting older, there's more freedom, but there's also more responsibility or there's different responsibility. So. For me personally, I'm at a point where I'm enjoying being 30 and things are a little bit easier than when I was younger because I know myself. I, I know myself a lot better than I did. I'm a lot more secure with myself and just secure, period. And 
I've got opportunity to, you know, do things that I haven't had a chance to do before. So I'm definitely enjoying life at this point. So with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this episode up and make sure you stay tuned. Uh, probably tomorrow episode well episode six part two will be coming out we're going to finish up a conversation with me and tony so make sure you like comment and subscribe on part one and do the same for part two if you subscribe you'll know when part two drops i will definitely update everybody if you want to get an update when that and future episodes are coming out make sure you follow me on instagram and twitter at devin the 63 that's d-e-v-i-n-t-h-e 63 once again that's on twitter and instagram you can subscribe to the all state no sizzle facebook page just type in all state no sizzle podcast and it will pop right up on facebook you can also email the show at asnspodcast at gmail.com make sure you email me for anything you know comments questions you want to ask if you want to be on the show or on a future episode, you can email me at, like I said, at asnspodcast at gmail.com. You know, drop me a message on Twitter or Instagram or on the Facebook page. Anyway, there's many ways to get in contact with me. So take advantage of that. Thank you all for listening. Episode six, part two will be dropping really, really soon. So to get where we're continuing this conversation. So stay tuned. Until then, peace.